I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days. Today, we're going to sit down and break down the Jacksonville Jaguars for you. As always, I'm Neil Smith with Mr. Steve Bonham. Duval. Duval, indeed. <laughs> Folks, we're going to talk about Gardner Minshew for about 28 minutes, and then we'll get we'll whip through the rest of the team. The greatest I think that... mullet in the history of the NFL. Hey, I said it. Ooh, Come that's at. a high, that's a high bar. That's a high, given, oh man, you might actually get some hate mail about that and some photos from like the seventies and eighties of uh, some of the hairstyles that were getting rocked at the time. Probably, I'd say greatest current mullet for sure. I don't know about, I don't know about all time. He current. needs no qualifiers. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, before we derail any further into that conversation, uh, <laughs> as we sit here and record this, it is eight fourteen. So if anything, we're going to say here in a moment. Uh, sounds a little bit dated. That is probably a good indicator as to why. And go ahead and check out the wrap-up show, which we will be posting right before the season kicks off that Friday before uh, before uh, Labor Day, when everyone should be drafting to update any takes that may need a little bit of a polish. And uh, as always, everything we're going to talk about here today is geared towards 12-team PPR. Uh, but check out Important Nonsense at importantnonsense.com for pro tools to adjust to your scoring format effectively. Also. If you like what you hear and you like the website, check it out. Uh, hit us up at importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. Help us keep the lights on here, folks. So I think it's guys- important, too. Let's throw this one out there as well. Mm-hmm. If you join the Patreon, even at the dollar level, you can join the Discord and come talk to us and ask us your draft and any other fantasy-related questions. Or That's just fair. talk to the nerd in the Nonsense channel about all the random things he likes to talk about. He's lonely. He needs more people <laughs> to talk to. So. For for a dollar a month, come on in, check it out, and uh, and check out the Discord that we've built for everybody on the Patreon. So it's a uh, it's a great place. It's a nice forum for uh, for information and to get get questions answered by qualified experts that that won't steer you wrong. So, Steve, where do we want to begin here, right? Because we could always talk about Gardner Minshew. I guess it kind of gets into Gardner Minshew. Let's let's just start at the at the draft, right? Yeah, num- start at number one, literally number yeah. one. We'll start at number one. So in the draft in 20, for 2021, Jacksonville is obviously in a complete rebuild mode. They're starting over. They've spent the last year prior tearing down that defense, shipping everybody out of town, amassing as much capital as possible to try and begin again. And the way that they saw fit to do it, they had the number one pick. No shock. They drafted Trevor Lawrence. And all Gardner Minshew fans, such as ourselves, were a little bit sad, but we understand. You got to, you got to try, you get the opportunity for a Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. You got to, you got to take your shot at it. It's the- well, no, see like getting Trevor Lawrence and taking him over Gardner Minshew sad, but I get it playing Jake Luton, shooting Jake <laughs> Luton over Gardner Minshew. That made me angry. Outrageous. Yes. It was, it was outrageous. Yes. It but, was, but, it was but at least Trevor Lawrence, I can understand it. Right, right. The, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck effectively right. so yeah like you're gonna take your shot at trevor lawrence and 
it dovetails nicely into just let's just get it out there as far as Trevor Lawrence himself for redraft fantasy football purposes. It's I've got him at like quarterback 15. It's rookie quarterback. Like everybody kind of struggles. There's some road bumps, speed bumps, I should say. Road bumps is not really a term. <laughs> uh, I guess technically it would be, but let's let's yeah, just move. Let's on. move, move right. <laughs> uh, Trevor Lawrence, I've got him at like quarterback 15. Yeah, you know he'll he'll be serviceable for you, and he'll probably get better. One would hope down along the way, but there's going to be some blowups. There's going to be some bad games, and you even hear it coming out of camp. Some days he looks great. And he looks like the second coming, which is what you would hope to be hearing. And then other days, man, he struggles a little bit. He's he's still learning. He's a young guy. And but I think I think as far as like for the future, I mean, yeah, Jacksonville's doing it doing it one of the tried and true ways. Get a blue chip quarterback and try and go from there. Get it and try and exploit it, try and leverage it while he's still under that cheap rookie contract. And I will say as well, as I mentioned during our live stream of the draft. Using my prospect model for uh, quarterbacks, basically what I'm trying to do is evaluate long-term success, dynasty success for the quarterbacks, as well as the statistics they're going to be able to put up in their rookie season. And we all saw the year that Joe Burrow put up last year before the injury. He was a top 13, I think he was ranked 13th um, quarterback before he got hurt. And he projected out extremely well in my model. Trevor Lawrence is elite. Trevor Lawrence projects out as the best quarterback prospect I have ever had in the model. And better than Joe Burrow, better than anyone else that's coming to the league at this point. So uh, when you're looking at his redraft prospects, he's a guy I've got at 14. I feel like he does have top 10 potential, especially when we've seen guys like Blake Bortles, who aren't very good succeed in Jacksonville because you throw the ball so much. Trevor Lawrence is going to be better with his touchdown to interception ratio. He's going to be more consistent with the ball and they're going to throw the ball a ton because they will chase a lot of points. So he's going to put up numbers. He's going to be worth at least your QB two spot. And if you want to be one of those guys that look, we're always saying wait on quarterback. If you wait too long and you're looking for a guy that has a good ceiling, you don't care about the floor anymore. Then I mean, can't do worse, Trevor. It's funny that you mentioned that, and I'm glad you brought up your your model as well because we we talked about that quite a bit. I'm sorry, before. you can do worse. I want I want to say you can't do worse, the Trevor Lords. That like for like you did can't you, did you do, did you, you hit a road bump? worse than Andy Dalton? Yeah, did you hit a road bump yeah, there? Do you want to? Yeah, okay, good, good. All right, now we both got one now. We'll off to a hot start here. Hot start. It's going to be just like the Jacksonville season. There's going to be there's going to be some issues. Yeah, there's, there's going to be road bumps everywhere. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but I, I'm glad you brought up the model, and I'm also glad you brought up Mr. Joe Burrow, because Joe Burrow, people do remember that before the injury, he was having a nice little season, mostly because of the volume. They were they were throwing it like crazy because they were chasing points, mostly because their defense was horrible, and it. It's almost a one-to-one comparable in my mind to what's going to happen here. Yeah. The Jacksonville defense will be terrible. They will be chasing points if they are going to be in any of these games. Weirdly, also similarly to Cincinnati, they have some decent skill position guys that we'll get into yep. that Trevor should be able to exploit. They should be actually reasonably competent once they kind of get everything together, once everybody gets comfortable. They should be reasonably effective at moving the football. That's something I have I I believe will be will be you know, on the, in the, within the realm of possibilities, we have Trevor Lawrence, for example, 
projected for 4,000 yards. And I think that's not a crazy projection because of just how much volume they're going to have to do just to remain competitive in any kind of these games. They're going to be chasing like crazy. So Trevor is the guy actually for me at 15. He's the last ceiling guy in my rankings because after that, everybody after him is you're looking at your like your Kirk Cousinses and your Baker Mayfields and your Daniel Jones, who are all QB twos, realistically speaking. They're guys that you'll they'll give you a floor, they'll get you something for your bye weeks or for emergency starts that you have to, but they have limited any they have very little upside. Whereas Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow, who I have just ahead of him by about two spots, really are in that happy area of the top part of the second wave of quarterback where it's like, no, those are guys that are really serviceable backups and have a ceiling. They could actually become your starting quarterback along the way throughout the season. It is, it is possible that they play that well. So if we're bullish on, on the quarterback room, which it sounds like you and I are, and just the prospects of this team to be able to actually move the football, we should probably talk about, you know, the players at this point that will be moving said football once Trevor gets it to him. Cause sorry, Gardner, we love you realistically outside of your parents. I don't know if there are bigger fans. We love Gardner Minshew, but and again, not if you're not familiar with the name, Gardner Minshew was a sixth round pick a couple of years ago. He's a mobile quarterback. They basically play the same way, except Trevor Lawrence, much more um, safe with the ball, like won't turn it over as much and has more arm strength. So yeah. if something were to happen to Trevor Lawrence, like a Joe Burrow situation when he got hurt and missed the second half of the year, I'm really not concerned about any of these skill position guys. Like Gardner Minshew showed he can still throw the ball really well. He can still produce fantasy wide receivers and running backs. So I, Gardner Minshew himself was a top, again, top 10 quarterback last year before he got benched. Yes. So if something were to happen to Lawrence, I think Minshew steps right into that role. I think everything just keeps rolling. And I think no matter what, you're good with whoever the Jags QB is. Yes, I'm not worried about that. And then if something was to happen to Gardner Minshew, a la he himself gets hurt or gets benched again for being erratic, because that is why he was benched. It's it's mm-hmm. Gardner Minshew, is, as you pointed out, is much more likely to throw an interception or turn yeah. the ball over than than anybody else really on that roster because the third guy is CJ Beathard, who is also usually pretty conservative with said football, but he himself also has played meaningful snaps in the NFL with Mm -hmm. the 49ers before. So even if Gardner Minshew was gone, CJ Beathard probably won't crash the car too hard either. So they actually have an interesting kind of quarterback room. The only one that matters is Trevor Lawrence in terms of like prepping people to draft, obviously, but it's good to, to whip through it here because I think you and I are in agreement. There's really, I find this whole team has a very low risk of, of suddenly just devolving into nothing because yeah. Lawrence isn't there anymore. So you right. can feel reasonably confident that even if something was to happen to the quarterback, that your skill position guys will still have some kind of value. Sure. So, you know, we mentioned the draft with Trevor Lawrence. Jacksonville wasn't done. So the other thing that we've been, the way we've been running the shows is we talk about what matters. And I think what the people, what the people will want to say what is what matters. You and I might disagree. We might talk about wide receiver here, but the people I think are going to want to talk about James Robinson and now Travis Etienne. And yeah. So just to remind people, if in case maybe you missed last season because of various reasons, James Robinson, undrafted free agent, had a thousand yard season last year in Jacksonville, became the starting running back kind of out of nowhere. Nobody had really is undrafted free agent. Great yeah. story. 
great season. He absolutely took that job and ran away with it. They saw fit to bring him back. And so for a while there, the James Robinson hype train was off and running uh, for Dynasty, especially for a little while there. And then get to draft night. And not long after they take Trevor Lawrence, they come back around and take Travis Etienne uh, to pair with Trevor Lawrence effectively. So it's a they had two first round picks. They had number one and number 25 and number one. They took Lawrence and then they took his college running back. Yep. At 25 and reunited. We're seeing a lot of that in the league right now. A lot of a lot of that type of behavior getting getting two guys who played together at the. And it's important to note, too, that they brought in Urban Meyer as their new head coach. They have a new head coach. I was hoping to not talk about that. You kind of have to. But it's just relevant because it's not the same regime, whatever, that brought in all these other guys. Like Lawrence and ETN are their guys. So the guy, they also signed Carlos Hyde, as if that matters. It doesn't. (laughs) Uh, They still have Divina Zigbo, who was the backup last season. But part of the reason Robinson had such a massive year was because you had a Zigbo, you had Armstead, who were just constantly hurt behind Robinson. He was kind of forced into a job where he had a a full workload. And I think the biggest concern for Jacksonville was just that they don't think Robinson is built where he can handle that full workload. Yeah, and it's understandable. That's why he went undrafted. A lot of teams felt that way. <laughs> yeah, he's not exactly the biggest guy. Uh, James yeah. Robinson. So, and then by the way, we didn't even mention it, but remember when Dare Agumbawale was a yeah. thing for like three weeks there last yeah. year? Dare yeah, that? is one of my he's, one of my guys. Yes, still there, still on the team. I would argue it doesn't matter much like Correct. much like Devin Azigbo and and uh, and Carlos Hyde. So realistically, you're you're just talking about as far as things that would be draftable, things that yeah. you would and and I don't really care at some about Carlos Hyde, right? Mm-hmm. That's fab type of type of conversation, right? That's not a like yeah. no, like that we're not doing that. So maybe if somebody was to get hurt, you'd pick him up off waivers, but I'm not holding him. So really you're talking about just do you where do you want to try and invest in either Travis Etienne or James Robinson? And so I I know that for our projections, we're a little more bullish on Etienne because he's the pass catcher, at least that's what he should be doing. And we've got him in our projections for the site at RB19. Mm-hmm. And then James Robinson, the general feeling is that he's going to be the traditional running back, the between the tackles runner. And because of that, not as involved in the passing game as he was last season, which limits him to roughly like RB 31 per our projections for the site. So do you, how do you actually have that ranked though? That's how we have it projected as a website with everybody else. But how do you, how do you unpack that for your personal rankings? So like you said, Basically, ETN is going to be the third down back no matter what. So he has that guaranteed job. Him and Robinson are going to split the first and second down work. And I think the primary concern is that Robinson ends up getting the goal line carries and that Etienne is just going to be like pass catcher and then for up tempo. So they should be up-tempo a lot and enough that I feel like he's the guy I'd rather have. I've got him at 22, back-end RB2 territory, and I have James Robinson at 33, just outside of the uh, just outside of my Tier 4, basically, the next group of guys. 
where I feel like he's going to get the goal line work. He's going to have some value, but not enough that he's going to be a weekly starter or a guy I'm confident in as a flex. Compared to ADP, right now in the ECR, uh, Etienne is at 24, so I'm slightly higher, and Robinson is at 28, so I'm a little bit lower. But if you look at ADP and how the general public is comparing these guys right now, Etienne is also at 24. Robinson is at 26. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And see, I'm, I'm a little low on James Robinson. I have James Robinson at 35 because I just don't trust it. There's just not enough. There's not enough evidence for me there. And again, he's an undrafted, you know, free agent, great story. And they clearly like him, but this has Philip Lindsay written on it to me where he, but you know, it just, they just kind of disrespect him a little bit because he's a smaller guy and he's a really good running back, but it's not somebody you're realistically going to invest in. Whereas I have Etienne at 21. I'm closer to where you are. I think I'm you said 22. I'm one 20. spot. Yeah. I'm the, one spot ahead of you on Etienne. That's the one I would be more interested in just because yeah. he was really good at catching the football in college. And I expect him to continue that here with Trevor Lawrence and they should be able to get on the same page basically from day one, Yeah, which is why normally I wouldn't have a rookie this high, but because of this unique situation that he's walking into, <laughs> And also, it's a function of how bad running back is this year, folks. Don't know if you've noticed it yet, but running back goes off a cliff after like the mid-20s. And it's just like, oh, man, what happened here? So Etienne is something I would feel good about. I think you got a nice floor if he just gets the passing game work. And there's enough upside there that he could actually take enough of James Robinson's job that I don't think you're drafting him at his ceiling. Yeah, he's got his ceiling, too. I think the biggest thing there is... Between these two guys, Etienne is a guy that I feel like, like I said, 22 compared to 24 in ADP or 24 in the ECR. Slightly ahead, but it's not crazy. You're not reaching. I feel like that's a good spot to to get a share. Whereas with Robinson, to get him at 26, I feel like you're really overpaying for what his job will actually be this year. At that point, you're basically saying it's a 50-50 split. Yeah. That happening. The biggest value for James Robinson is if something happens to Etienne, because yes. then I believe he becomes the full three down back. Correct. I don't think there's anybody good enough to to steal touches from him behind him. No. So, yeah, unless something terrible happens here, James Robinson is a good insurance policy and a decent backup. But at this point, I think you're overpaying for a guy that's not going to have much of a role. No, I think you're absolutely drafting James Robinson and actually above his ceiling. Yeah, beyond his ceiling. Beyond well, his ceiling. Well, I won't say that. Well, because no, that's, that's, yeah, that's actually, I'm going to walk that back a second His, here. his ceiling is top 10-ish like running back. He becomes the, the right. total bell cow for a team right. that, yeah, he'd be But in even the then, that's why I've got him in the 30s. Like, right. I have him in the 30s because if I get him in the 30s as my fourth running back, I never have to rely on him, and I've got that potential ceiling. But if well, I'm drafting him at 26, you're over. Yeah. See, my issue is at like 26, I'm looking at things like Chase Edmonds, J.K. Dobbins, Kareem Hunt, David Johnson, starters. guys who have a starter, <laughs> basically, guys that have like an actual job. Yeah. Whereas I have. Uh, James Robinson at 35, where I do, because he's in this group of guys, James Rob, James Connor, Michael Carter, Jamal Williams, Dev- Damian Harris, James Robinson, Kenyon Drake, Javante Williams, Naheem Hines. Forget Naheem Hines for a second. The rest of those guys all fall into one specific category. They're guys that will have a role and they will be playing, but, and, but they're not going to be the main thing. But if something was to happen to the main thing, boom, they all shoot up. 
everybody in there in that tier for me has that in common. So that's yeah. why James Robinson tears off for me the way he does. I think you're overpaying by about 10 spots, yep. frankly. Like it's it's not worth it at that at that price point. So uh so okay. So there you go. Etienne, yes, Robinson, probably not if people are gonna be trying to draft him at RB26, which is even if you go by our projections and not our rankings, we had him at 31. So you're still going, you're still reaching five spots. It's just not a it's not a it's not a good investment. Stay away from that. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying too. Like like you pointed out in our projections, he's at uh, Etienne is at running back 19. So even yeah. then, you've got him at 21. I've got him at 22. We're even hedging a little. We're yeah, even, we're hedging because I'm hedging because he's a rookie. Going a little, yeah, a little yeah. under where we have him projected to finish the year, and you'd still be ahead of ADP. Yeah, so let's and look at five receivers. Here. Well, I was going to say you, we, you mentioned with uh, with Etienne, they're going to be up tempo a lot. So. <laughs> Uh, why, you know, we've got, we've got DJ chart coming back who, you know, do, 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 do. Yeah. Not obviously not part of this new regime, but they, they seem, they seem pretty comfortable with him on their team. So I'm not worried about him. And then they have LaVisca Chenault returning from last year. So this will be his second year in the league. And, uh, he had a very quiet kind of not, not that quiet, but he had a semi quiet kind of nice season last year. LaVisca did, and he got more comfortable as it went along. And then they brought in Marvin Jones, which is a, I think, a fantastic signing for what they actually had to pay. We always love Marvin Jones. Yeah, Yeah, we always do. But especially for what he's going to, he's not getting paid that much to come in. I think he plays meaningful football for them. Uh, And then, then it kind of, kind of dips a little bit. You know what I mean? Because you got Philip Dorsett, who people will remember from the Colts, not interested. Colin Johnson, eh, not, um, you can't really count on that. And then they have uh, uh, Jamal Agnew, which again, it's like he might play special teams or something. So realistically, you're looking at those three guys. You've got DJ Chark, you've got LaVisca Chenault coming into year two, and then you've got Marvin Jones, which everyone will remember from, he's been in the league for quite a while at this point. So I guess from, I'll just start real quick. I'll tee it off for you, Steve. Because for Mm -hmm. me, I would, I would, the way I have it ordered, obviously, is Chark, Chenault, Jones, right? It's just a question of how far you look at the distribution. And for me, the one that I think is the most valuable is still Chark. I've got him at 30 in my rankings. Mm-hmm. But what I'm noticing for what I'm noticing is that's not really the polarizing figure in the room. And Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones. I think the big conversation here is around people feel about LaVisca Chenault. Because the way that I've been noticing it is he's a very polarizing figure, seems to be. There's a lot of people that really like LaVisca Chenault and think that he's going to be, the like frankly, the wide receiver one for that team before too long. And there's another group of people that thinks LaVisca Chenault is too small and brittle, I think. And he was hurt a lot in college, which doesn't help him. And they, they're they probably buying into that injury-prone narrative that has been proven to be false. That doesn't but, exist, yeah. Yeah, but there, there's a lot of people that think LaVisca Chenault is being like way overrated and that you should stay away. It's causing him to like fluctuate in di- if you look at different platforms. Mm-hmm. So like, depending on where you're drafting and what you use and who you look at for your research, you could see him in like totally different spots. So let's try and make that meaningful for people with actual numbers, right? So how do you feel about just LaVisca Chenault in general? Uh, so LaVisca Chenault, I personally is the one that I would prefer. Um, I have them ranked with Chark ahead and Chenault slightly behind. I'm, I'm in the same neighborhood as you. I've got uh, who is I've got Chark at 30 and Chenault, I believe I have at 35 or 36. Let me double check that real quick. 34. So I've got them 
fairly close and it's the same deal of he's going to have the slot role all to himself. They brought in Marvin Jones to replace Keelan Cole on the outside. So you have uh, Chenault in the slot with Jones and Chark as your outside receivers. And they're going to do a lot of three wide receiver sets. They're also going to move Etienne out of the backfield and put him in the other slot as like the fourth wide receiver, basically. But I think there's a very real chance that at the end of this season, DJ Chark leads the team in yards and leads the team in receiving touchdowns. But LaVisca Chenault leads the team in targets and receptions. I, I think there's a non-zero chance that that's exactly how this breaks down. And volume is king. Volume is everything. And when you look at last year, how they finished the season, when LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark, who granted DJ Chark was dealing with injuries all throughout last year, but when the four when they were healthy for the final four games of the season and they were both playing the final four games of the season, LaVisca Chenault in PPR was wide receiver 28 and DJ Chark was wide receiver 53. So it it's all about volume that they have to get on the same page with the new quarterback, obviously, in the new system they're running. But everything we've seen from the camp has just kind of reiterated to me that Chenault is the guy that I'd prefer in PPR to get that volume. Okay. No, and that see, and that's why I want to just tee it up for people. Cause there are other people who would say DJ Chark is the one that you want. And that realistically, mm -hmm. he's the only one that, that you want. So for me, I look at it somewhat similarly. You and I are in alignment on DJ Chark, I believe in our rankings. Exactly. I have mm -hmm. him at 30. I believe you do as well. Yep. Um, I'm a little less bullish than you on Chenault. I have him in the same tier, but I have him at 38 and I will see to you all the points you made about yeah. volume. And he is the slot and uncontested and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm not completely sold on it. Although I will say as we roll through camp and get, yeah. I'm in more in line with our projections. And as we roll through camp, there are a few guys that I have above him that may be coming down. And he's, he's been, let me put it to you this way. In May, I opened the season with him at 41. Sure. And he's moved up three spots between then and now. And he's probably going to move up another three spots. Well, and here's what I would all say is too. said and done. Come, just so take that, what you've got. And then what I've said as well. DJ Chark right now in the ECR is 34. Okay. And at ADP is 33. LaVisca Chenault. A little more bullish on DJ Chark then. Yeah. LaVisca Chenault in the ECR is 41. And in the ADP, 42. Yeah. So you can basically have either one of those guys, whichever one you'd like, because you're going to get them at our ranks ahead of where they're currently going in ADP. And hey. for me, you're basically talking about, if you're saying that Chenault is going at wide receiver 42 in ADP, that means he's my fourth, maybe fifth wide receiver. And I feel like there's enough upside on that, that he could potentially be a wide receiver two or high end wide receiver three, that to have him as my fifth guy, I'm, I'm all over that. Well, and for people who maybe didn't watch a lot of Jacksonville football in the 2020 season. And why would you? Yeah. Why would you? LaVisca Chenault played at oh, the wait. University. I know of the answer to that. Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew. But once it was Jake Luton, then why would yeah, you? Yeah, then why would you? You know, don't put yourself through that. But exactly. LaVisca Chenault played his college football at the University of Colorado. He was very successful in doing that, but he was often injured. So when he was on the field, he was great, but that was always the concern. So that's kind of dogged him throughout his career. Last year, he made a little bit of a name for himself for his rookie season, 
basically playing the slot and catching a lot of dump offs. But what you'll notice is that when he actually gets the ball in his hand with a little bit of space, he's very quick so he can make people miss, but he's also got pretty good top end speed. Mm-hmm. So he, he reminds me in certain ways of like a much younger Jarvis Landry, like beginning of career Jarvis Landry, except he's not quite that big, but the, uh, the, that's kind of how I, I watch him play. He kind of yeah. runs up on like a hook, like three yards, catches it. And then he makes somebody yeah. miss and he's gone. And that's what how Jarvis used to play when he was younger and when he was in Miami. And then they had him stop doing that when he got to Cleveland, fortunately for him. Right. So it was, it kind of reminds me of that. And that role has a ton of value. Yeah. To your point, it's a lot of volume. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. But because of his, the reason it has upside is because he himself, it only takes him making one guy miss and he makes a three yard gain for 1.3 on a PPR reception. Yeah. And he breaks it for 15 yards down the field. And suddenly you're looking at something much more meaningful. Yeah. And he's another one of those guys as well that we've talked about a couple of times here where over the last six games of the season last year, he had seven carries. That, and that's the other thing I was going to dovetail into. So I'm glad you brought that up because he also, much like Rondale Moore and other and some other people in the league right now, Brandon Ayuk does this. He's going to get carries. Yeah, jet sweeps and end arounds. Yeah. Robert it, Woods. Yeah, it's why Robert Woods is so highly rated for us because we understand the running usage that he's going to get. Yeah, so. if Robert Woods gets you actually ru- actual rushing touchdowns in addition to his receiving Correct. touchdowns. It's yeah. pretty great. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty sexy. So LaVisca Chenault can do the same thing. So that's why he gets moved up a little bit for us. And I'll tell you, by the end of camp, I'll probably have him like two or three spots higher. I'm eyeing you, Odell Beckham, in my rankings. Uh, you might be coming down. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. But then we didn't really talk much about Marvin Jones. And I, that's kind of by design. Because for me, Marvin Jones is Marvin Jones. Yeah, He's somewhat reliable. That's why he ends up in the 50s for me, like wide receiver 51. I feel pretty good about any random week he's playing that mm-hmm. he'll get you something. But as far as actual draft advice for that, the reason why he's down that low is injury prone, as we talk about, is a myth. But you could also just kind of look up the last few years of Marvin Jones' career. He's not exactly who I would view as the most likely person to get all the way through a now 17-game season and play every single game. So when he's out there, I think you can feel pretty confident that he'll get you something, and he might do some Marvin Jones stuff and catch a 40-yard touchdown. He is That's why he's there. He's going to do some stuff like that. So we'll, we'll see, but I don't know if it's something I really want to count on. In fact, I do know that it's something I don't really want to count on. Yeah. And so I'm, that's why I'm a couple spots lower than where we would actually have him projected. There's a couple guys that I feel a little bit more confident in just slightly above him, but that's mostly Antonio Brown and Cole Beasley. Well, and I think that's the other thing is yes, they brought in Marvin Jones. They're paying him to be there, but you mentioned they still have Colin Johnson. They still have Dorsett. They will rotate those guys in. It's only a one year deal for Marvin Jones. And I also believe that even though they're going to use Chenault mainly from the slot and on end arounds, they will use him on the outside in place of Jones at times as well. He's not going to dominate snaps like Chark and Chenault will. So he will have a role. He'll probably have weeks where he's a significant bi-week fill-in or an injury fill-in for somebody on your roster. You know, I think week seven is the bipocalypse this year yeah, when there's like six because so. um, there's always at least one of those every season. But it, I don't know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how they actually try to utilize him. But I feel like Marvin Jones is mainly there to mentor DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault, as opposed to have significant fantasy value, a la a Larry Fitzgerald or an AJ Green. Yes. And that's kind of where Marvin Jones is in this stage in his career. He's on the wrong side of 30 and he's been in the league for a while and he's been successful along the way. 
But if you're really there, if you're really telling me Jacksonville is counting on him to try and do anything, I they're 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 not going anywhere anyway. Whether Marvin Jones does anything he's, or not, they're, he's one of those guys that normally we're high on compared to the ECR. I think this year we're more in line with the ECR, and I'm saying he's not worth a draft. I would no a not great really. waiver wire pickup at some point, but yeah, better fab might, than draft. He so. might technically be in draftable range by our rankings. You know what I mean? Like he might technically make the cut, but mm-hmm. I, it's not something I would be like excited about doing in my draft. Yeah. I'd be looking for more upside if I'm down that low. Exactly. By then yep. you're taking you're looking for numbers. lottery tickets. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, the other reason that we kind of come out as higher on Chanel, both you and I individually and as a website than anywhere else in the industry is because there's nothing to talk about at tight end to round yeah. out the pass catchers. So slot, I think makes is going to have a lot more value yeah. than normal because normally they've had some kind of tight end, even when it was Tyler Eifert. Like whatever that was. Well, we talk about it as well with rookie quarterback. Is it's always the check down. Typically, that's tight end is your best friend. Yeah, or you if get, you've a, got you a, get decent, a safety blanket. Yeah. yeah. Or if you've got a decent pass catching running back or a pass catching slot receiver. And in and this case, they two. <laughs> they've got both. So yes, except for not it's and neither of those is the tight end. Yeah. So they've got a nice security blanket with Etienne and a nice security blanket with Chenault, and then they're going to hope that. Shark and Jones can get open on the outside. And that's going to be your offense, I think, with intermittent running of the football by James Robinson. That is what they will be doing. And it should be reasonably effective. It's just they're going to have to make it reasonably effective because, as we also mentioned, the defense is hideously terrible. It's a bottom three defense in the NFL, and that's saying something in this year's NFL. And uh, kicker is kicker. It doesn't really matter. So are there... Did we gloss over any Jacksonville topics that you can think of that you want to continue on? Because I think we drove our main point home, which is no. don't overpay for James Robinson. No. And then the other main point. The defense doesn't matter. Kicker doesn't matter. Tight ends don't matter. So it's yeah. kind of, you know, feel confident taking Lawrence. He's got that upside. No matter what happens at quarterback, you're going to be good with any of these players. Etienne at his current ADP is a good value. James Robinson yep. isn't. And we're a bit higher on Shark and Chenault than the industry, and we're good with that. Yep. And then don't overpay for Marvin Jones if you end up having to hold your nose and take it. There you it. go. I'll so. put that timestamp in the notes. Like, if you don't want to listen to 35 minutes of uh, Jacksonville Jaguars football, I gave you a 20-second yeah. recap right there. TLDR. That's the byline for the actual show. TLDR. Go to 3425 and find the correct. Find the correct time and just, mm-hmm. it just yeah, walk it right through. 20 seconds. We could do that. We could try and do those, Steve. People might enjoy that. Do it in 20 seconds. Right, yeah. <laughs> do the whole show in 20 seconds. Well, we might attempt recap. that. We mm-hmm. might attempt that tomorrow, uh, either by design or also unintentionally, because yeah. tomorrow in the listening world, we will be talking about Kansas City. And what you have not have been noted. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, we are contractually obligated to do this. And uh, and what I would say is, you and I have been talking contracts, about this. So that's poor planning on our It is. It is. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!